Thank you for listening to our Chat Canna broadcast. This podcast was originally created for our YouTube channel and is being rebroadcast here for your convenience. We'd like to thank the folks at Canna RHX for providing this Chat Canna podcast. And good morning, everybody. It is time for another edition of Chat Canna. Thursday, 52 degrees. When I woke up this morning, they say it's going to be 75. We are definitely in the beautiful part of the fall when all of the leaves are changing. I put the full moon up there because, of course, we're in the equinox and the the sun is rising and setting right on my road. My dad used to take me out there and show me when I was a kid and I didn't really care. And now it is so awesome. And what a great memory of my father to remember those days when that was important uh, for him to show me that. And then the bus would come and I'd go to school and it was like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. We have a great guest for you today. He was, of course, on our quick program uh, yesterday uh, because of his uh, combining uh, his industrial hemp. And he was a guest on the U.S. Hemp Association's website. And we we just linked to that because of the great information that was on there. Uh, He is Chris Adams from the Adams Family Farm in East Grand Forks, and also you're on the North Dakota side of the river too, right? Yeah, we're actually a North Dakota company because, you know, who wants to pay those taxes over there? <laughs> we, we don't do taxes here. Yeah, no, no. But yes, it's a, yes, yes. It's a choosing thing if you want to. <laughs> and so the frustration, of course, is you have to go across the river all the time. And that's mm. what a choke point that is, right, for the sugar beet trucks and for the well, we go right downtown. So it is what it is, but a frustrating uh, yes. moment yeah. all the time. And you have to yeah. keep, you have to cue your drivers to be especially oh, careful yes. because uh, oh, driving, driving through downtown at two and three in the morning gets pretty in, in, uh, insane on a normal year. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Great, right where all the bar closed. Crookston, you know, when they did the bypass, that was the, the big event for us here because everything that we have is north of Crookston. Right. And we always had to go into town, make that 90 degree corner and then another 90 degree corner. Yep. You know, and when they when they wiped that out, it was just a it saved money and it saved time. And the drivers were way happier because they didn't have to do that. That kind of stuff. Well, well if you could see if you could see us on a map. Where our home farm is yeah. and our Minnesota farm, we're a mile and a quarter away from each other, but a 20-minute drive because there's yeah. no bridge right here. So You, you got to do what they do in, in, in Germany. You know, they have a, a big cable and they have a thing that you can drive, they, that you could drive your equipment on. And yeah. the, the propeller, you can't steer it. The propeller is either in forward or reverse and it just follows the cable across and then it'll follow the cable back. And... I won't tell anybody if you put one of those down there on the river. It might save I might, me. <laughs> might already have one. Yeah, don't tell, don't tell anybody. <laughs> well, hemp today is the big question, of course, because you are the pioneer hemp farmer up here in the Northern Valley for sure. And uh, we were so happy that we connected with you uh, when we got into it the second year because the first thing you told me is, John, Believe me, don't believe me, but the thing that I want to tell you right out the gate is be really careful. Don't trust anybody that you talk to on the phone until you verify, check it out, verify three more times, and then maybe what they're telling you is the truth because it's a new industry. It's the wild, wild west, and uh, I'm not sure that it's settled down too much yet. What are are your thoughts? 
it's getting a little bit better. Some of those scoundrels are are have been weeded out of the system for the most part. I mean, it still happens because there's new new states coming on board, but yeah, it was a roller coaster, and especially down to the genetics part of it. So it's a really interesting dynamic. It is, and who you know, I guess you just thought, well, nobody in agriculture would be like that, but boy, the players got in the game, and they were pitching this, and they were pitching that, and promising this, and promising that. So it was the best advice that I ever got, I think, in my agriculture life. And thank you. But, uh, along with that, it was it's been just the greatest. Uh, adventure to be part of a new crop yes. coming online. You know, in uh, 59 and 60, my family and probably yours got into sunflowers. It was the brand new thing mm -hmm. and uh, it fit in the rotation. And of course, the sunflower genetics at that time were terrible because right. the back the backside of the head was like a log. It was like slicing a two inch log mm -hmm. and it beat up the combine so bad. And it was just, but of course, now over the years, they've made that head so that it goes through the combine like butter and uh, farmers uh, harvest a good crop and, and the world has changed. And soybeans came to North Dakota, rapeseed, canola came to North Dakota, and now industrial hemp is coming to North Dakota. And NDSU is very, very excited about it. They think it's a new crop that's gonna fit and be able to farm from border to border. Well, that's the one thing it's good for. And, um, you know, I'm more excited about the building material side of it, to be completely honest. I've always okay. thought that was going to be the big the big thing. But it's there's a lot of uh, hoops to jump through before that makes it mainstream. And we're people are pushing forward for that. And a lot of it is building permits. So hopefully we get some of that stuff pushed through and, and yeah. can use it. So how did it start for you? Did you go to a meeting or a convention or where did it start? Actually, it all started. A lot of what we're doing on the farm today, whether it's hemp or exporting dry beans or whatever we're doing, started in, I don't know, 2014. I was in TPAP in Texas, which is the agricultural, uh, let's see, TPAP, the Executive Program for Agricultural Producers. And it's put on by Texas A&M. So it's every year, a two-year program, um, pretty much a week long from 7 in the morning until 9 p.m. And then you go over it. It's pretty much really taking the family farm dynamic out of the family farm and pushing it to a professional Main Street business, like trying to get, get, get it. I mean, it's bigger than most Main Street businesses already. It's just trying to get it streamlined with the, with the correct business approach. Okay. So it really changes your, your brain and how you think about stuff. And um, the most beneficial part of it is the, the networking, which is kind of where we, where we start. So uh, I met a man there from North Dakota, Roger Gushis from Carrington. And um, he already is exporting oil seeds all over the world. So that, that got me into the exporting side of it, like digging into it because we have some pretty niche dry beans here that we do. So that's how we got into that. But he also was sniffing around the hemp industry. So him and I started to sniff a little bit together and well, here we are. He's crushing, <laughs> he's, he's crushing the seed and I'm producing it. So we're, um, that's, he's kind of the, he's kind of the, uh, catalysts for a lot of these wacky ideas I've been getting on here lately. So well not so not so wacky. So so the part that he the crushing he's doing is the actual uh, hemp, hemp seeds. Let me get a 
a background of that here. Um, bum, 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 bum. Too many pictures. Too many pictures going. Oh, I don't have that one right now today. But the actual hemp. Uh, see, here we go. Like so, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, the, right. The, the hemp seeds themselves, because the right. oil, com the oil coming out of those. There we go. The oil coming out of those is different than the oil that we talk about when we say CBD or CBG or any of those kinds yes. of things. This is just hemp seed oil, and it's just super enriched amino acids and and omega threes specifically. But it's a pretty much a superfood. It's maybe one amino short of a complete protein, but it rivals most plant proteins out there. Maybe quinoa might be the only one that can beat it, but. Yeah. That's what that is. So he's pressing it for the oil, which is, ironically enough, not even going into the food industry because that whole, the whole market for food consumption is not even le legal yet. Okay. So a lot of it's going into um, beauty products, stuff like that. And then the leftovers, which is the cake, which is holds all the protein that gets ground up for a protein powder that you can add into pretty much anything. So we're making we're making progress in that regard, but it's like the food sector is the least buyer right now, and it needs to be the most. So we're getting there. And is and that it, who's holding that up? Is that the FDA? Pretty much, and it yeah, pretty much. Like we can we can feed it to ourselves. I mean, it isn't illegal to eat hemp seed. It's just we can't use it as a supplement for animals or anything until we, and we're doing that now. Like there's a lot of people pushing for that. So it's coming, it just needs a lot of testing. So, okay. Okay. and then these are the hemp parts, which hard to see there. So right. essentially it's the seed de-hulled. So you take the crunchy hard layer out and then you just have the nut left. And you can buy these in stores and yep. supermarkets. Right. And that's just for snack, it's really pretty good. So it is, how is it processed then? Is it baked or heated to dry it or? No. It's literally you run it through a process to, that cracks the shell off of it and then it drops it through and then you clean it and you bag it. There's not any, I mean, I suppose you could get roasted yeah. hemp, hemp parts, but no, it's just right off, right out of the seed. So no kidding. Mm -hmm. And now can you, could you cook with that? Could I grind that and make a flour that would, uh, has that been tested yet? Is it, uh, is it, uh, um, Actually, there is, uh, it has been in tests. There is a um, company that just is buying a few totes of my stuff. I'm, try I'm trying to get my Focus. face. Yeah, yeah, that's focused. right. <laughs> I don't know why it isn't focused. I think I messed it up with this. So yeah. we'll see. There we go. There, there we go. Yeah. So, anyway, they're, they're looking at buying some hemp seed from us to make tortillas. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. California company. So we're hopefully hoping to send them a few few totes to have them test around and see what they can come up with. Now, when you say a tote, is that like what fits on a pallet? So four like by four like by super sack. Yeah, yeah super sack. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that would be an awesome step forward mm -hmm. uh, using it that way. I was thinking though, a smaller. Like, I wonder how it would work in a cake. You know how you well, could blend. Blend it into a cake, or um, I think uh, there's, there's people people trying. I don't know the baking, what the flour can do on yeah. that. I haven't really explored that much, but I mean, it's a true gluten free product, so it would be it would have a pretty substantial foot, you know, uh, foot in the door for people that are gluten intolerant or think they're gluten. Intolerant. Oh, so there's no no gluten in it. No, 
No gluten. Well, that's interesting. I have a cousin my same age, retired now, but she developed some of the food that was used on the space station, for instance, uh -huh. uh, from Iowa State University. And uh, uh, it would be real interesting to get a couple of pounds of that in her hands and see what uh, absolutely what, what she could do with that. That would be really an interesting thing. She's always uh, been thinking ahead. Her thesis was on why green beans turn brown, you know, from the field to the cannery, because that's uh, the, the the automatic eyes are looking at it and they pop out any, any oh, yeah. green bean that has a brown thing on it because people right. in, in their frozen or cans of green beans don't want that brown spot that the organic folks love. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, it's organic. It's real. But anyway, but that's, of course, it knocks that out and that cuts into your percentage of viable products. So she, that was her whole thesis was to, was to um, uh, figure out how to stop that from happening from the field right. to the from the canning, so well, yeah, interesting. And everything, even in head parts, like when they dehull this, there's the endosperm of the plant, and I, it's going to be hard to show you, but essentially, it's like this black part of the seed. It's the most probably nutritious part, but anyway, it's whatever you see that black spots in here are the endosperm, and you sell that to China buys a lot of this. And they want it white, so they take the endosperm out. Okay, oh, so okay. that's about five percent of your total yield that comes out of that. So that's not that beneficial. Um, so now, now the states are getting into it a little bit, and then they want the endosperm because of the health benefits of it. So then the grower gets add another about five percent of yield onto his yeah deal there because it's about a I think it's about. 50 50 split maybe the holes in the heart so you you definitely lose some of your poundage when you're when you're going into hemp hearts but when you're selling them for 10 bucks a bag little bag yeah yeah, yeah sure sure you're trying to get into that tap that market for a long time but kroger's has that locked down pretty much no kidding no yeah, kidding. That's so. a, yeah yeah so yeah. then then what are the holes are they uh, worth anything at the at the end well, there'd be quite a bit of protein in there. So animal feed for sure. I've, the, hull, I've, the outside hull. hull. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I've, and I've, I've, um, I've sold quite a bit of clean out. So when I'm cleaning my hemp seed, there's hulls and some other trash in there. I've, I've sold a few truckloads to a couple um, livestock places nearby that they're just testing. Mm -hmm. um, and they love it. So wow. I don't know. Uh, hopefully we get the ball rolling because there's a lot of outs for this stuff. You know, you could have one guy that was just on the phone trying to do the negotiating and talking to people. And I mean, you got a farm too. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, uh, we were talking to a guy out in the, the West coast and he says, yeah, I work about 23 hours a day. I get an hour of sleep and I'm going, you know, I'm an old guy. I can't do that anymore. I got to, I got to have my hours of sleep. I'm a young guy and I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I fall asleep in my pickup inside of the road if I have to, I guess. Well, that's, that's, my dad was a napper. He could do that. I can't mm -hmm. do that. I can't do that. I got to go and find a bed. So, well, this is just awesome. All the different things that uh, from industrial hemp. Now the industrial hemp, of course, as we've shown our listeners, that's the single stock that grows quite high. And you showed that so well <laughs> on your, on your combining video uh, yesterday. Um, how many pounds of seeds would you like to get out of your field per acre? What would be a target? Well, uh, I think an average probably, if somebody were to tell you an average, it'd be about 700 or 800 pounds an acre. Um, 
but you know, in the valley here, probably is a little different. And then we have right on our parallel, like we're we we are in prime zone for cannabis because of our long days in the summertime. Okay. Um, so that field that I was harvesting on that video, that was averaging throughout the whole field about fifteen hundred pounds an acre, like, like double. Yeah, it could be double. Okay. And and over the last four years of of production i've had a couple that were two thousand pounds and twelve hundred pounds so like i'm thinking our our average is probably i would say twelve hundred it would be a good average that i would compare it to 75 bushel wheat sure, here sure something like that sure. and now where does it fit in the rotation what's going to follow that next year that's the that's kind of the problem right now because it's a carrier of all the same root diseases as sugar beets edible beans and this. So right now we don't really have it fitting in any rotation. We're, we're just kind of squeezing it in. And the way that I'm planning these, I'm trying to keep them close to the river. That's what I've been doing. So it's not necessarily soil health or rotation that's kind of pushing where I put these. It's more protection against pollinating other CBD crops or something like that. But I would I would anticipate it being coming after edible beans before wheat and before wheat and then after the wheat would be sugar beets and then we start over again. But um, you you definitely want to put a, 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 a like wheat or a grass after if, it. If to, you had a perfect world, you would flush the soil out with the grass or corn or something like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and we don't grow corn, so we have right. one. Right one rotational crop which is wheat that now we have to try to figure out how to get two years out of and that's never fun because well you're losing your ass on wheat anyway so you know but if you if you if you pull it back and look at an overall four or five year mm -hmm. bubble it's more beneficial it's just two out of those years wheat is in there and unless you get a hundred bushel crop which we haven't seen for three years now you're you're not making anything off of it. So that's that's the trouble. But you've got to have it in the rotation to make sure that all the nematodes and everything else in the soil mm -hmm. kill off so that you Correct. can put this new plant back into the root system. Correct. So okay. and we've doubled it up. We've planted it two years in a row on a couple of fields. And actually it does it looks it looked really nice and it did really well. It's just uh, on a um soil health level that's just not the smartest things to do sure. all the time and and we we've done it a few times with edibles too i mean when when wheat is at four dollars and you're losing 200 bucks an acre on wheat you try to not do as much of that and try to do a little more profitable stuff but we're it's it's like a it's a carousel it just kind of depends on the season and the time and most of the time we're we're trying to trying to protect our soil the best we can so we'll rotate it around what do you have to throw at it for fertilizers a lot of nitrogen okay. um that's all we put down in our area um probably about 220 units of actual nitrogen at, okay. at, the, at the front end and that tends to carry it all the way through okay and that's with, the an, same. with, a, with an hydrous center or no uh, we use urea urea okay huh. yep and it's the same for cannabinoids too. If we're doing our CBD field, we're gonna we're putting that much nitrogen down right up front, so it carries it all the way to the end. And we do that with our wheat as well. I mean, some people only put forty percent down at the beginning and 
carry it on through so their protein get high, but our soil seems to hold on to the nitrogen pretty well. So it carries us right to the end of harvest. So and you I know you do a lot of <laughs> testing, so you find that it's using literally if the the, the water is right through the year, it's mm -hmm. kind of taking it all up. Oh yes, at the end of the year that's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. wow that's really so when when you're doing <coughs> cbd of course you're doing really wide spacing on your plants are you cut no you're not you're are you planting your cbd like you're planting your industrial? Not, that, not that heavy but twenty thousand plants an acre oh okay okay so it's okay to broadcast the the nitrogen on the field then as opposed to you know i think of cbd as six foot rows and four foot spacing so well, that's, I mean, that's not the wrong way to do it either. It's just yeah. um, trying to scale it and trying to keep your costs down and doing it that way doesn't really work so well. Right, right. So when you're harvesting this now, or it looked like the other day on the combine, you're just taking the heads and leaving all of the stock yet. You haven't found a, a way to um, well, use that yet. There, yes. Yeah, so I bailed the last probably three out of the five years I've been growing. So we are, we're stuck on a thousand plus bales sitting along tree lines. Then um, that market is picking up. Like okay. building, the building materials is coming on board and mostly for insulation and hempcrete and stuff like that. So there, it is coming. And I've been offered about 80 or 90 bucks a ton already for that stuff, even after year one. But wow. by, the, by the time I deliver it 300 miles, like it's, you maybe make five grand off of it or something. And it's just, it's not, it's not worth it yet. <clears throat> um, so now what we do, um, a majority of our acres will just be, unless we have an Indian summer, which I don't know if we will, it'll sit just like it is until springtime and we'll heavy harrow it with a big summer's heavy harrow and we'll whip and it will peel everything off down to the dirt and we'll windrow big windrows and we'll just light a match to it, which oh, is okay. kind of cringeworthy, but there's just nothing else you can do with it. I mean, it. You can't chisel plow it when it's when it's tall. I mean, you have to get it all off the field first. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> we can have been fighting this allergies and cold stuff for a couple of days, so apologize for that. But that's right. We've um, so there's a double decker header you can get. So you're you're cutting the tops off at the same time you're swathing it down yeah. and windrowing it. And that's probably the ideal situation because coming in to sloth it after you combine it and drop that stringy stuff off the back is pretty troublesome. So what if you went in with, what if you went in with like a sugar beet rotabeater and just tore the heck out of it? No, that's nope. just wrap central. Okay. So it's too, it's mm -hmm. too um, like yes. wet, like wet oat straw. Yeah. So would, would... with, with hemp for hemp seed or fiber, the reason why you're combining it green isn't anything to do with the grain being ready or not. It's the, the pectin, the protein that's holding the fibers onto the herd is still mature, it's still there. So as the hemp plant dies or gets mature enough, that pectin just breaks down and the, now the fibers are just stringy off of, the, off of the herd. So when it gets to that point, then the wrapping starts. So the best scenario would be to Combine it at the time you want it and have that stuff cut down immediately following that, like right behind it, because okay. the plants are still kind of green. Yep. You cut the tops off, you wait three days, and it's connecting to the internet.
No, it's my uh, Alexa. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, that's okay. Tell her to be quiet. Yeah. Oh, Alexa, quiet. Um, that's interesting. If I said Alexa, would it? Would she hear me? And well, I use a different word. Her. I use the C word for her. Oh, but yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It would work. I don't know why, but yeah, I have a headset on too. I don't know. It's so sensitive that. Right. Oh well. In any case, that's that's kind of the trouble. Is the residual material is really hard to manage, and we've tested it. We've rolled it with a packer, yeah, yeah. and then tried to vertical till on top of it to break them, and bearings go out on that. Um, wow. A mower, a, a ditch mower, seemed to work. Um, you're going to have some wrapping, but we've done a whole field without any big problems, so that would work. Um, other than that, I mean, it's really, you have to get the material off the field, whether it's through a baler or through harrowing it and burning it off, because there's no other way to manage it. Interesting. Now, do you think genetics, like in 20 years, they'll have geneticized it to a more favorable uh, um, condition? They've already started, and it's more on height, uh -huh. the, how tall it grows. Because if it, if it was three, four feet tall, the combine can cut it all down and take it all through the combine and drop it into a windrow for you, and then it's done. Right. Um, but it depends on the market. If you're going for just seed, then you can deal with those short stature plants. But if you're doing dual crop, which is what people are gonna want to do, then you want some some height right. height there to, to have some bales after the fact. And then if you go strictly fiber, now you're talking 12 foot plus plants. Right, right. So, um, it just depends. They're, the genetics have been around for a long, long time already. Like, I mean, a long time. If they get into the hands of the big players in, in genetics and agriculture, which they're probably playing with now, then yeah, I, I don't, I think there'll definitely be something coming and probably some genetically modified things too. I don't know. Yeah, of course, we'll probably never be able to put a Roundup type product on it because no. of the of the other side of the issue. So, no. and then it, and you wouldn't need to. That's yeah, the beauty. Yeah. The, the crazy part of this plant is, in three weeks after planting, the canopy's closed. Like it chokes out every bit of weed there weeds there are, um, but that forces you to put it on a good clean field. Yeah. You know, you can't put it on marginal stuff because the weeds will just overtake it then. Yeah. The weeds will overtake the weed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, weeds. Yeah. the bad weed will overtake the good weed. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, not something not something you want. No. Not something you want. So let's move into your CBD product just a little bit. Already you kind of surprised us with the fact that you're planting at 20,000 plants per acre. Yeah. Um, how are you then going taking that off the field? What do you... Well, we're gonna we swath them and okay. let let Mother Nature do its deal with with drying them outside. I mean, if you have three sunny days in a row, it'll dry. And then, that's enough, okay? Yeah, and then we come and chop it with a forage harvester. The whole plant. The whole thing that we swathed, we'll pick it up in the row and we'll chop the whole plant. Um, and people are cringing right now listening to that because of like all the sticks you'll have in it. But the thing with us we can take the sticks out after. Okay. So we'll, we'll lose a little bit of the potency from just beating it up a little bit. Right, the, tri the trichomes, the trichomes off, come but, off, yeah, yeah. But 
but our forager we built on a, uh, a dust a suction on it a dust collection and generator so right at the pickup head we have a, a hood that's sucking that dust up in the bag and then as we're shooting the material into the wagons we also have one there so we're actually mitigating most of that and we're sucking the dust up um, and then we'll once we start cleaning the sticks out we'll reintroduce that as a rate proper ratio back in so okay last year we did it last year was a little difficult because of our fall so we weren't able to swath it because there was mud on the ground yeah so we had a 1200 horsepower crone forager self-propelled forager okay and the reason why that there's only one header they make a header on that thing that can do lodged corn when they're doing foraging for corn. Okay, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I, I don't know the easiest way to explain it, but it's just like two massive chains that just go around and around like this. Okay. And then they have hooks on them. Uh -huh. So they're pulling the plants this way, and then they have a stationary knife that runs around it, and then it just pulls them into the middle, and then it chops it. So... So we, like a, like a corn header, the 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 parts of a corn header, yeah, but laid uh, out, but the, laid out differently. Kind of, yeah, kind okay. of, yes. And it's for foraging, not combining. So yeah. it's only pulling the plants in to get completely mangled anyway. But right. yeah. it it our stocks last year were three inches. Oh, it's amazing. It's nothing amazing. we could do amazing. to do to manage that. So yeah. we had this guy come in and just forage like it cut them off this high off the ground and take it in and and that was a little more challenging because we weren't able to dry it in the field um yeah, yeah, yeah. we got partially lucky because i let it sit there long enough to get it really cold so it, it was really cold it fried it which is what i wanted it to do so it was like maybe three quarters dead so it's still pretty wet so when we foraged it Put it, we just hauled it in our beat trucks and dumped it in our warehouse. And then the next stage of the game was to figure out how to dry it because we weren't anticipating that. So then we spent about 30 or 40 grand on bin, grain bin fans, big 10 horse fans mm -hmm. with corrugated culverts with holes in them. Yeah. And we had two rows per pile and we were talking 300,000 pounds of material. Like it was big piles. So we had to put two fans and two rows of culverts 100 feet wide times three and to blow air through that thing and we had to be there twice a day shuffling it around turning it yeah turning it around until it finally caught up to where it was drying on its own and then from all of that process so if we had the buds that we tested at the beginning to the biomass ready to sell we probably lost five points oh which that's, that's well it's that's it's It's way more than we were. Oh, wait a minute. For. You mean you mean to go from ten to five? So like, like if we like yeah, fifteen we, to ten. Yeah. Oh, that's significant. Yeah, yeah we lost yeah. about five percent, and that's yeah. because of the way we had to do. It. We have no dust collection because we didn't use our equipment. We had to hire somebody to do it. So this year will be our plan initial again, where we'll let the mother nature do its course and dry it, and then we'll pick it up. and And the first time we did that, we maybe lost one or two percent. Right. So. It actually is really beneficial, and when you're talking scaling, our cost of production per pound is under fifty cents yeah. versus everybody else's. That is like uh, three or four bucks. Like it's very difficult. You can't make it at all there. 
So that's why our scaling, I, I understand the, the markets for smokable and stuff. I mean, that is, you want the plant to have its room. You want it to get full sunlight around there. You want it, I get that part of it, mm -hmm. but uh, I went into it knowing I wasn't going to do any hand harvesting. So yeah. I was going in and I'm scaling it up and it's seeing what our cost production could get down to. So, Wow. Just a completely kind of a different end of the spectrum than many of our guests, you know, yes. our, our guests, like our research that we do, Every plant is named and numbered, you know? Exactly. Uh, named and numbered, and you have to sing, you have to play at Beethoven, because if you don't, they're going to know. Well, we were we were more into 80s rock and roll for ours, well, but yeah. I get that. They're they they, here to party. Yeah, yeah, but, the, but like you say, they know, and they do They do know. Mm -hmm. um, that's interesting that you that you mentioned that. Uh, yeah, they um, have rated, I mean, I've read an article even on, like, the sound, like, it does something. <laughs> It, oh, well, that goes back to you're not old enough, but you see, uh, in the 50s, 60s, early 70s, the number one radio station in Minnesota was WCCO in Minneapolis. And for 200 miles around Minneapolis, they were the number one station, like by 400. If you owned a radio station in Hastings, Minnesota, you were just blowing watts into the air because everybody morning listened to CCO. Every cow within 200 miles woke up and listened to WCCO. And uh, right. no, no, it's absolutely true that uh, those cows, you know, for 200 miles were CCO cows because that that was just how it was. And it and changed. Happy. And happy. No, no, that's, yeah, when CCO had uh, emergency news and stuff and it changed the morning, cows were not happy. They talked no. about that. Yeah. That's right. It's funny that uh, we, we joke about it, but there's some truth to uh, plants uh, needing an environment that they're happy in, and so I, I, absolutely. So I uh, and I have plenty of resources and friends that are doing it that way that are from the oh, yeah. side of it. And I just knew that it was not going to fly here because it just right. just doesn't work. So we wanted to make a purely extractable material product. So the harvest was stage one. Like, how can we do this large scale like every other crop we do, right? Yeah. So that's that was our plan, and and the plant populations are heavy because we don't want we want that energy on the top half of the plant. We don't want it down low. We want the stalks thin at the top where like it starts, so we can yeah. swap it up that high, and then the plant is big and it has its root structure, but the top half is getting all the goods for the for the cannabinoids and the buds. So. If we wanted to, we could go cut all the tops off them all and have just a really yep. primo yep. smokable flower for that. But that just depends on the markets now. Exactly. And, and where do you see that product going? How are we getting that out to the people? Um, it's been chain shifting a little bit this season because right away, I'm only growing it to keep it like obviously that CBD market's like in shambles and I think there's enough material or oil out there to supply the country for 10 years at the current 10 drops a day thing that they're doing, which is crazy. It needs to be in your diet every day is what it needs to be and cook with it and that kind of thing. But so it, it's such a confusing conversation because the marijuana industry is, has a huge shortage right now. So people are literally buying CBD bud and spraying it with THC distillate and selling no. it 
Yeah, and they're not selling it as marijuana. They're selling it as this, but. I got to send this one away, sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. So, yeah, they have a market for that because they're buying that and spraying it with THC distillate to supply their medical people's needs. So Just, just, just to fill the market, the demand. Yes. So, wow. and now all the fires that have been going on around. Yeah, and wiping it out. Wiping it wipes it out. out because it, it holds onto the smoke and nope, you can't sell it to smoke. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like the smokable market's going to be at least, I don't think the prices are going to soar like crazy, but I just think it's going to open the door for more movement of that. So we might have to do some smokable stuff. Um, but honestly, our grand plan is just to do the, the, what we've always been doing and we'll just get it extractable ready and we'll move it down the line and get it probably into a crude or something. Um, because we we're playing on the technology side of it, as far as that extraction goes, we're, we're able to, to remediate THC in a number of ways now and not just taking it out. We can convert it to a different cannabinoid. So we're, we're playing around with conversions and trying to figure out a way to make it more marketable for everybody else. And converting it to other cannabinoids is the way to go. And that's what we're kind of planning on doing. Do you, do you see a time when you might let um, people that are in the smokable business like sort of walk through your field and, and clip off the, the primo yeah. looking? Because they want looks. It's all about how, oh, yeah. it, how it looks and everything. So they would just would, have their, their bag and... Take you know, take a few hundred pounds of the the, yeah. the, be the beautiful stuff, and mm -hmm. uh, at a primo price, and then and then yeah. you come along later and do the mechanical. Yeah, and that's probably what we'll end up doing ourselves. We'll do all that so we have it done. But I have thought about that. It would be cool to have a come and pick your own mm. buds. But in our area, they just don't have the the users yet. Yeah, you know, there's not enough people that would make that even worth it. And, of course. No, yeah. So it is a thing in the future, hopefully. But we'll we will take we'll probably take the top colas off of most of them. Just come and clip them all off, and then sure. we'll come dry them, and that will be our smokable. So yeah, yeah. The, my acquaintances that I know that have tried it as a smokable product, they bought those kind of pyramid tubes and things. Yeah, to make it. Yeah, have not found. Uh, have not found it to be something that they would want to repeat on a regular right. basis. They yeah. tried it. They said, "Oh, that's interesting," but they, you know, we what? as yeah. as as we were testing it here, and I I don't use any of the products. I don't use, you know, I don't right. I don't smoke in any way. But so I'm always questioning people, and uh, but but we did not find that it really. We didn't see that there was any kind of market to kind of be in that business no. even on a little tiny scale here yeah. at, this, at this time so no and i know on some of these herbal herb cells you know the cbd stores or the complete nutrition or something i mean they're selling tons of bud material and yeah i i think it's probably more it's probably more catering to the habitual marijuana smokers that maybe don't want to do that anymore but they enjoy the so they're yeah because I, I maybe not. I don't know. I know. Yeah. I know. Like to get the medicine to you, if you want to call it that way. I mean, smoking is one quick way to do it. Not that it's a healthy way to do it, but it's a quick way to do it. And if people find CBD to be helpful for them, then I guess that's one way to do it. And again, Absolutely. I, I, I don't know.
I don't, I'm not a smoker either, so yeah. I don't really know. Well, we got into it because of the medicinal side of it. We believe that there's yet undiscovered benefits in the right. chemistry of the cannabinoid. And uh, that's why we're in it. That's the exciting mm -hmm. part. Um, we could go on for an hour telling you the details right. of that. But that's our belief is that, is that you know, the yet undiscovered things that are going to be coming well, yeah. now that it's become legal and uh, that uh, scientists can start really researching it rather than, well, try this. And then you get this one-off story that's really good, but you can't repeat it in a laboratory. Right. So, right. so, so that's where... That's where my interest was peaked too, because I have a biology background. I have a, I have a biology pre-med degree and a minor in chemistry, so it all does a full circle. And I know that an endocannabinoid system and a plant with cannabinoids, there's something there that you cannot, it doesn't matter the science beyond that. It's just, there's something there and we need to figure that part out. Yep. And I believe that there's going to be good things coming. I hope I live long enough to see it because different than you, you're at the starting or the grassroots of your career. I'm sort of at the end of it and I'm just excited to, to be part of it and uh, see where it goes. Hey, this has been a wonderful show. We hope you'll come on again and just, just tell us a little bit more about, uh, uh, you know, what's happening over there at the, at the Adams, uh, a family farm. What a neat thing. And yeah, tell us a little bit about your farm. Is it your father that started your grandfather? Where are you in the, I'm the fourth generation. So my great grandpa, yeah. great grandpa Ralph and then grandpa Daryl and then Steve, which is my dad and then me. And, wow. and just, anything. Yes. I have, I have two little girls and a little boy. So we'll see. I have a feeling that little girls are definitely the CEO material. So they're probably going to be the ones that run it, but We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, that's in our law. That's in our goal. We're we're keeping it around for a long time. So wonderful. We hope, we hope to. Well, and in, in our family too. I mean, I'm the fourth one. My great grandfather, well, uh, you know, came from Germany, and uh, I'm not actively involved in farming, but on the different lines, uh, you know, we have uh, we run uh, quite a bit of sugar beets and soybeans uh -huh. and grain, and then I'm now in the in the hemp business. So so it's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of fun and. Uh, and I know that there are my cousin's sons and now maybe grandsons are, mm -hmm. are starting up. So it's exciting times. Uh, folks, don't think that agriculture is not an exciting place to be. As you've heard here, Chris has got uh, biology and chemistry mm -hmm. degrees, and here he is farming. And uh, what would you say the uh, amount of time, tractor time versus working on the farm time? What's your percentage? 99% office time, 1% tractor time now. In no, our no, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I wish I could sit in there longer now. Oh, <laughs> see, he's looking. And I know what you're trying to say. But it's not, you know, when I grew up, a farmer was 95% yeah. in yes. the tractor, and you had to kind of figure everything else about it while you were trying to hold the line because there was no automation. But it's not that way anymore. So you young people, there are careers in agriculture. Oh, yeah that are unbelievable and don't pass that by when you are thinking about what kind of a life do I want? Because you can have a fruitful, uh, rewarding, family-oriented life uh, and where you're not locked into a nine to six in the afternoon job every day. Every day is different and you are out enjoying God's country and uh, and uh, seeing what's going on. That's my pitch. That's my pitch for the end of the show. You. Yeah. You definitely don't need to have a family farm to be in farming. Right? That's right. There, there's just 
tons of ways that you can be in, in touch with agriculture. So. Attorney, accountant, CFO, all this stuff is coming on board for multiple separate organizations. I mean, yes, yes. that's just that stuff. There's a lot of other stuff too. It's, it's so many layers deep. And so please think about that. And if we could get these guidance counselors to think of that as a first stop mm -hmm. for all of the young people around here, rather than sending them, you know, way past Minneapolis and oh, off yes. to other places. This is the place. And the Red River Valley is probably the agriculture, one of two or three places in the world. And I've, I'll stop my soapbox here right now, but you can see that I'm an enthusiast. So Yes, absolutely correct too. Chris, you get the final word, uh, any products that people can buy direct from you or is there, how do, how do they get your stuff? I mean, theoretically, yeah, they could, Buy a hemp seed all they want. We're not, we aren't dehulling it yet, but we will get there. Um, and I'll have about a uh, 250 gallons of CBD distillate coming in here in the next couple of weeks. So if people really want to try stuff, um, I I can sell it to them. So wonderful. Your your email has been going across the bottom here for most of the show. Hope they get a hold of you. Uh, we hope to see you again real soon. Be safe when you're out there and uh, doing this farming stuff. And we will uh, look to have you on the show again real soon. Folks, All right. another edition of Chat Canna is uh, in the digital world. We hope to see everyone again real soon on Monday. In the meantime, uh, be safe with what's going on in the world and have a great, great week.